Florida's bill to prevent left-wing indoctrination on sexual mores meets opposition from the White House. The next step in the attack on Joe Rogan begins, and Dave Chappelle comes under fire for alleged nimbyism. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. Big social controversy breaking out in Florida over sexual orientation and gender identity. We'll get to all that in just a second. First, you may have noticed that inflation is at 40-year highs. The rate of inflation over the course of the last year was something like 7.5%. That is the news breaking today. Everything is more expensive. Cars, gas, groceries, housing, everything. Which is why you need to find areas in your life where you can save some money. And this is why your wireless bill needs to be examined today. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, they all overcharge you for the same service you could be getting from Pure Talk at a fraction of the cost. Which is why I'm a customer at Pure Talk and why you should be one as well. Listen to this. You get unlimited talk, text, and unlimited data plus hotspot for just 55 bucks a month. That is correct. More data for less money. Join the hundreds of thousands who are saving every month with Pure Talk. Listen, go to puretalk.com, find the plan that's right for you. Find the phone that's right for you or just bring your own. And then this month only, enter promo code Ben Shapiro and you will save an additional 25% off your first three months of coverage. That's puretalk.com, promo code Ben Shapiro. You don't need to be giving extra money to these big cell phone providers who are going to just use that to build brick and mortar stores and spend it on marketing and all that. You don't need all that. What you need is Pure Talk because they're going to give you what you need. Unlimited talk, text, unlimited data, plus hotspot, 55 bucks a month plus. An additional 25% off your first three months when you use promo code Ben Shapiro. Head on over to puretalk.com today. All righty, so one of the big movements over the course of the last 20 years in the United States is toward the full left-wing indoctrination of your children in public schools. Now, this has become most prominent with regard to critical race theory, which, of course, is a hot issue in the Virginia gubernatorial election. Chris Rufo over at the Manhattan Institute doing amazing work exposing the impact of critical race theory and how your kids are taught racial essentialism, being taught that they ought to feel guilty because of their whiteness, the, the basic idea that, that American institutions were shot through with racism, all of this being taught to the lowest levels, lowest grade levels, right? Ibram X. Kendi boiled down for small children. And parents saw this and parents rebelled. And this, of course, became a major issue because over the course of the pandemic, when kids were home from school and suddenly they were zooming into school, parents could finally see what their kids were being taught. But the truth is, the impact of critical race theory has been far less when it comes to students than the impact of gender theory when it comes to students. The left-wing sexual mores that have been used in public schools across the country have now become overwhelming. Okay, to pretend that this doesn't exist, this is the game the left likes to play. They take over the public schooling system. Then they proceed to shovel their values in the face of your children and not to tell you about it. To, to have discussions with your kids you don't think are appropriate with your, for, for them to be having with your kids. To never tell you about it. To suggest that you're a bigot if you don't want your kids taught about this stuff. And then if you know that they are doing this, then they gaslight you and they say that it's not happening at all. So this is the model that is now being used when it comes to Florida. Okay, so... Again, we saw this with critical race theory, that the moment that states began banning critical race theory in the classroom, we started to see a whole group of people on the left say a couple of things that contradicted each other. Number one, they would say critical race theory isn't taught to kids. And then when you would show that it was, they would say, OK, but even if it is taught to kids, it's good that it's taught to kids. You can't have it both ways. Either it's not taught to kids, which is good, or it is taught to kids and it's good. And you don't want us to stop you from teaching it to kids. Now, public schools are not places for free speech. They're not. The, the limitations of free speech in public schools have long been found to be real by the Supreme Court, obviously. When it comes to what your kids learn in school, this is not a public park. Okay? This is not a protest zone. This is a place where a curriculum is designed and then implemented with regard to what your kids are taught. 
obviously. And this is what schools are for. Schools are there to impart knowledge to your kids. And those the, that, that goal of imparting knowledge has to take place within a certain framework of values. And pretending that that doesn't exist doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just leaves the field open for people who are politically motivated to take over those fields and then create frameworks of their own. So in order to understand what's happening in Florida right now, because there's a big controversy right now over Florida, where the media is saying that Florida is trying to pass a quote unquote, don't say gay bill. Okay, that's not what the bill is. I'll read you the text of the bill in a second. That's not what the bill is. Here's how NBC News is covering it. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis voiced his support for a bill that would prohibit the discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in the state's primary schools. Asked by reporters at a Miami event on Monday, he said it was entirely inappropriate for teachers to be having conversations with students about gender identity, citing instances of them telling kids, don't worry, don't pick your gender yet, and also hiding classroom lessons from parents. Here was Governor DeSantis explaining why he believes that the classroom is not the proper place for teachers to be indoctrinating students in left-wing sexual ideals. You know, we've seen instances of students being told by uh, different folks in school, oh, you know, you know, you're, don't worry, don't pick your gender yet, do all this other stuff. They won't tell the parents about these discussions that are happening. That is entirely inappropriate. And we need, I, schools need to be teaching kids to read, to write. They need to teach them science, history. We need more civics, understanding the U.S. Constitution and what makes our country unique. All those basic stuff to get into situations where you're not having the parent, you're hiding things from the parent, you're injecting these concepts about choosing your gender, that is just inappropriate for, for our schools. Okay, so I'm going to read you what the bill actually says. Okay, it says, quote, A school district may not encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels, or in a manner that is not age-appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. A parent of a student may bring an action against a school district to obtain a declaratory judgment that a school district procedure or practice violates this paragraph and seek injunctive relief. A court may award damages and shall award reasonable attorney's fees and court costs to a parent who receives declaratory or injunctive relief. And so that's the controversial provision. That's the entirety of it that school districts may not encourage classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary grade levels, meaning generally K through five. It could theoretically be interpreted K through 12, but the proponents of the bill say K through five, or in a manner that is not age appropriate or developmentally appropriate for students. Why this is even remotely controversial is beyond me, but you know why it's remotely controversial. It's because there are people who do want to teach these values to your kids in school in the same way that they say, why are you even bothering with these anti-CRT? We're not teaching CRT. But also, we want to teach CRT. Why are you stopping us from teaching CRT? That's what's going on right here. And they're making the simultaneous same two arguments that are contradictory. It doesn't exist, and also it does exist, and it's good. According to NBC News, following the governor's comments, a nearly identical state Senate version of the bill passed Florida Senate Education Committee on Tuesday along party lines. The measure's opponents contend the bill would be detrimental to the mental health of the state's LGBTQ children and teachers, preventing them from openly talking about themselves, and their families. Okay, so here is the thing. Teachers have no right to talk about themselves and their families in the classroom. That is not a right that, that adheres to teachers. That is, when I was a kid, I didn't know anything about the family lives of my teachers. They were authority figures. And the basic idea that a teacher's right to discuss their familial living relationships trumps my right as a parent to have my students learn the values that I want at home and to learn reading and writing and arithmetic in school is absurd. Well, we'll get to more of this in just one moment. First, let us talk about the underwear that grace your tuchus. The ones gracing my tuchus at this very moment 
Tommy John underwear, the only underwear I will wear. Why? Well, because they're just that much more comfortable. You can do everything better with dozens of comfort innovations. Once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you are never going back. They've got innovations like an air mesh interior hammock, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, the legs never ride up. Tommy John underwear comes with a non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit, which is why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. Fanatics that call Tommy John's hammock pouch one of life's greatest inventions. They really are unbelievably comfortable and they're extremely durable. You can throw them in the washing a million times and they come out the same as they ever were. With over 17 million pairs sold, men across America love their Tommy John underwear, including me. Love it, Tommy John. Shipping and returns are free because every pair is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Get 20% off your first order right now at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. Go to tommyjohn.com slash Ben today for 20% off. tommyjohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. So the White House immediately jumped into this culture war battle because the White House is a left-wing cultural institution, at least this White House is. And they've decided to polarize America along wild political lines, particularly when it comes to sexual mores. I mean, the, the Biden administration is basically Obama 3.0. Right? It's, the, it's the third term of Obama. And you'll remember that after the Obergefell decision, the White House decided that they would actually shine the gay pride flag up on the White House. I mean, that, 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 is, that is what the Democratic Party thinks about sexual mores, is that all of America is represented by the left-wing view of proper sexual behavior and moral sexual behavior. So here's Jen Psaki from the White House ripping into the Florida bill. Every parent, as one myself too, hopes that le our leaders will ensure their children's safety, protection, and freedom. And today, conservative politicians in Florida rejected those basic values by advancing legislation that is designed to target and attack the kids who need the support, support the most, uh, kids from uh, the LGBTQI plus uh, community uh, who are already vulnerable to bullying. And we've seen that in study after study and violence just for being themselves and just for being who they are. Okay, does this legalize bullying and violence against gay kids? No, of course, that's not what the bill does. That's illegal. Okay, when it, when it comes to violence against anybody in school, that is illegal. When it comes to bullying, there's not a school in America that should be standing up on behalf of bullies. Okay, but the, the, that's not what they want. What they want is teachers and administrators to be able to indoctrinate your kids in these values. That is clearly what they want. The White House spokesperson said in a statement, make no mistake, this is not an isolated action across the country. We're seeing Republican leaders take actions to regulate what students can or cannot read, what they can or cannot learn, and most troubling, who they can or cannot be. But here's the thing. The left wants to regulate what you can and cannot learn. There is no vacuum here. There is no culturally neutral vacuum. Either you're going to teach left-wing values or you're not going to teach left-wing values. It is that simple. They're just mad they got caught. Okay, but this has been a thing in public schools all over the United States for literally years. They're very upset, of course, because they suggest that this is right-wing culture warfare. But the fact is, again, this has been part of the left's culture war for a very long time. The militarization of the, of the public school system against small school children on behalf of the left has been an ongoing crusade for the left for a very long time. Because if they can hijack the minds of your kids and turn your kids against you and teach them a set of values that you don't want them taught at school, then they can change the world. That's what this is. To pretend this isn't happening is, again, the highest form of gaslighting. Here is Reuters in May 2019. Quote, a picture book for second graders about a family with two moms. A lesson for fourth graders about Gold Rush era stagecoach driver Charlie Parkhurst, who was born a woman but lived as a man. These are, these are just some of the ways U.S. public school students will learn about LGBTQ history in a growing number of states moving to mandate inclusive K-12 curricula. So remember, the White House says that we're not supposed to tell you what you can and cannot teach. 
There are states all over the United States that mandate you teach left-wing views with regard to sexual morality. It is the latest chapter in a decades-long push to teach students about the trials and contributions of marginalized communities whose stories have often been absent from classrooms. Oh, is that really what this is about? It's about teaching the trials and tribulations of marginalized communities? Or is it about the basic idea that all sexual behavior is equal morally and that your parents should be ignored? And that when it comes to the indoctrination of kids, the American Federation of Teachers and Randy Weingarten should, should decide what sort of values your kid lives out. Whether your kid thinks boys can become girls and girls can become boys, or whether your kid believes that heterosexual marriage is in every way morally equivalent to homosexual marriage. This is stuff that needs to be taught in public schools. It's not the right that started this culture war. It is the left that started this culture war, and they target children. There is no question that they target children, which is why it is now mandatory in places like California that small children be taught about this stuff. According to Reuters, at the forefront is California, where the curriculum became law in 2011. New Jersey became the second state in January 2019, limiting its mandate to middle and high school students. On Thursday, Colorado lawmakers voted to mandate LGBTQ curricula for K-12 public school students. Governor Jared Polis, the nation's first openly gay governor, will review the final bill before deciding whether to sign it into law, a spokeswoman said. Again, this is from 2019. According to Colorado Representative Brianna Buentello, who co-sponsored the bill, it's a very different story that's being told than the one is minorities we live every single day. In California, eight years after the mandate was signed into law, known as the Fair Education Act, many teachers are just beginning to incorporate LGBTQ history into their classrooms. In 2017, the state took a major step by approving history textbooks that include the mandated material. While the textbooks are optional, schools receive financial assistance from the state to purchase them. Some approved textbooks include eighth grade lessons about two spirits, people revered in many Native American cultures because they were believed to embody both masculine and feminine spirits. One challenge has been instructing students who may never have learned LGBTQ, instructing teachers who may never have learned LGBTQ history themselves. April Faulkner, 29, an eighth grade teacher at La Paz Middle School in Salinas, was trained on LGBTQ themes in history. Now, she teaches students about Baron von Friedrich, Friedrich von Steuben, a Revolutionary War hero who historians believe was kicked out of the Prussian army for being gay. Alrighty, coming up, we will get to the fact that when it comes to the left-wing activists, they're not just content with teaching your kids left-wing values on sexual orientation. They also want to teach your kids that boys can become girls. And they want to teach that to them as early as possible in our nation's public schools. First, you don't want to go to the auto parts store because why would you ever want to go to the auto parts store? You stand in line for a super long time, you get to the front. And then because there's so many cars out there and so many car parts, they probably won't have the part you need. They'll just say, would you like to order it online? It'll take a couple of weeks. Or you could get not upcharged and do it online yourself because you also have access to the interwebs. Head on over to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals and the do-it-yourselfers. Head on over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. So, Again, public schools have been used as indoctrination centers. And the left is mad whenever they get caught about this. And it's not just with regard to the, the basic notion that all sexual behavior is completely equivalent, morally speaking, which cuts against, you know, virtually all religious, religious belief over the course of several millennia. 
as well as natural law theory. It, it is also about the basic idea that men can become women and women can become men. Right? Betsy McCoy wrote, wrote about this for the New York Post back in December. She said, militant transgender advocates are imposing their agenda with uncompromising zeal on school children, which is fine with President Biden. His administration announced this month that by April, it will enhance the legal entitlements of transgender public school students with new guarantees regarding access to bathrooms, locker rooms, and sports competitions. These issues grab the headlines, but they're less harmful to most students than the damage being done by the distortion of the school curriculum. From the youngest age, students are being brainwashed with gender ideology. Children as young as five are being encouraged to disregard their anatomy and choose their gender based on their feelings. Last week, a California mother raged at the Spreckles Union School District Board for allowing teachers to coach her 12-year-old daughter on becoming a boy, choosing a boy's name, and hiding the plan from the family. A, school, a book school libraries offer for kids aged four to eight reads, this is Ruthie. She is a transgender girl. That means when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy until she grew a little older, old enough to tell everyone she's actually a girl. Maine's Department of Education reports that between 13 and 18% of public high school students say they are lesbian, gay, bisexual, or unsure of their sexual identity, which of course is not shocking considering that when you indoctrinate kids into sexual confusion and gender confusion, they end up confused. This is not a particularly shocking thing. Public schools shouldn't be taking sides, but in Maine and many other states, they are. On December 8th, when the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case involving Maine's public schools, the state's attorney, Christopher Taub, insisted they are religiously neutral. That's a laugh. Justice Samuel Alito was skeptical, asking Taub if he'd say that schools that teach critical race theory. Taub ducked the question. Alito should have asked about Maine's transgender curriculum. It's the left's new religion. There's nothing neutral about it. Of course, this is true. The left's strategy always is to grab a hold of the public school system, and then indoctrinate kids into what they ought to believe about this stuff against their parents, by the way, in direct opposition to their parents, and then to claim that their freedom of speech is somehow being silenced. Again, your freedom of speech as a teacher is of very little consequence when it comes to the curricula that are mandated by school districts across the nation. You don't have the ability to just go into the classroom as a teacher and then speak freely on any topic you choose. That is not your job. It isn't. First Amendment rights, like the breadth of First Amendment rights, is much narrower when it comes to what you are allowed to teach my kid in school. And it should be. Because when a parent delegates the power to teach their kid, they're not delegating the power for the teacher to completely override their value system and teach their kids a bunch of unscientifically based gender identity garbage. But again, the, the, the comeback from the left is basically just whining. The, the basic idea is that we're, we're supposed to just whine about this, that if I am not allowed to come into a classroom and teach the small school children about my gay marriage, this means that my rights have been violated. No, it means that parents get to decide what they want their kids to learn, not you predominantly. But here's Greg Sargent from the Washington Post. And again, he, he sort of gives away the game because it is not the belief system of these folks that parents ought to have any autonomy over what their kids learn when it comes to morality. They believe that teachers are best placed to do all this stuff, who have been trained by the geniuses at the Department of Education in left-wing sexual mores, should be able to teach your kids whatever they please. Here's Greg Sargent today, quote, the GOP proposals sweeping the country that restrict the teaching of race have an obvious purpose, to make teachers feel perpetually on thin ice so they shy away from difficult discussions about our national past rather than risk-breaking laws in ways they cannot themselves anticipate. Okay, so first of all, I have a general theory about teachers. They should always feel like they're on thin ice. I want teachers to feel like they are on thin ice because again, the power that I delegate to a teacher over the molding of my child's mind is extraordinarily that's, that's extraordinary power. They should constantly be feeling like I'm looking over their shoulder. I'm the parent. That's my kid. 
The, the, the way that the left sees teachers in the classroom, it, it's as though you brought your car to a mechanic and you gave the mechanic the permission to, the permission to, to fix the radio. And instead, the mechanic decided to gut the engine, completely remake it in whatever mold he wanted, and then charged you for it. You would fire the mechanic. You have a very specific task as a school teacher, and that task does not include you overriding the values that I wish to teach my children because you disagree with those values. Says Greg Sargent, however, there's another more pernicious goal driving these bills that might well succeed politically precisely because it remains largely unstated. The darker underlying premise here is that these bills are needed in the first place because subversive elements lurk around every corner in school looking to pervert, indoctrinate, or psychologically torture your kids. Well, that's not a darker underlying premise. I'm just saying it. That is 100% true. The American Federation of Teachers takes overtly political positions when it comes to everything from the teaching of race to the teaching of gender ideology. You are lying, sir. There are teachers all over the United States who are on TikTok telling you right now publicly what they want to teach your kids. Firmly establishing this premise is true as the basis for moral panic is itself the key to this broader campaign. Again, so this is, this is argument number one the left likes to use. It's not really happening. Nobody's being taught any of this gender ideology. By the way, Reuters is saying it's being taught everywhere, but no one's, no one's actually being taught this stuff. Right? It's not, but then, if it's not taught, that's bad. We need it to be taught. So Greg Sargent hits both these points, both of these contradictory points in this column. So first point is, it's not real. It's not really happening. The second point is that we need it to happen. We need the indoctrination. In response to critics who argue this would stigmatize LGBTQ people, supporters insist it wouldn't prohibit such discussions if they arise. But the bill doesn't define what is age appropriate or developmentally appropriate. This is likely to leave teachers fearing that if they do engage in such a discussion, parents might decide it's not age appropriate and object. Well, God forbid. God forbid that parents should object to what a teacher says and then call them on it. That'd be terrible. Wow. Uh, by the way, uh, they're, they're very upset about the vague drafting of this bill because they say, well, you know, it doesn't really define what is age appropriate. I noticed that they really did not care when California said that LGBTQ history must be taught in age-appropriate fashion. So the vagueness of the mandate that this stuff must be taught in California was of no consequence to these folks. But the minute you say, no, we don't want this stuff taught to kids unless it is age-appropriate, then all of a sudden it's too vague. It's really, really bad. Okay, we can see the agenda. The agenda is you do want this stuff in the classroom. There's no question you want this stuff in the classroom. And you're angry that parents don't want this stuff in the classroom. And by the way, this bleeds over into every area of American life. When the institutions of American life are weaponized against people who have religious value systems or traditionally moral value systems, for that matter, because it does not require you to be religious to have a natural law perspective on sexual mores. It does not require you to be a religious person to say, scientifically speaking, men are men, women are women, boys cannot become girls and girls cannot become boys. And it is absurd to teach small children that they can pick their gender. Right? It, if you believe that the, that, that the institutions should be used to wipe away science, natural law, religious values, then of course you're angry at these sorts of laws. But that's what's happening within nearly every major institution in our society, from the court system to, as we will get to in one second, the custody system. I've got a really scary story for you in one second. First, it is almost Valentine's Day. Love is in the air, whether you're newlyweds or it's your 30-year anniversary. You don't want ED getting in the way of a perfect evening. If you've been experiencing ED, then visit GetRoman.com slash Ben today to speak with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional about ED. If prescribed, get 15 bucks off your very first month of treatment. With ED treatments, you can have the self-assurance that 
comes with knowing that your biology is working the way it is supposed to. Pick up your phone or laptop, complete a free online visit with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional. Roman offers five prescription treatments, including the brand and generic version of the most common ED medications. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If prescription medication is appropriate, it ships to you with free two-day shipping. With Roman, you get free ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet, which makes it super simple. See, a lot of folks who are suffering from ED, they don't want to talk about it with a doctor. They don't want to do anything about it. They hope it goes away. Instead of doing that, why not just go get it taken care of at GetRoman.com slash Ben. Complete an online visit today. That's GetRoman.com slash Ben. Okay, so Abigail Schreier, who does an unbelievable job reporting on the issues nobody else wants to touch because they are so scared of the left-wing social revolution. She has a, an amazingly disturbing piece over at her Substack about child custody cases. Here's what she writes. Again, every major institution in our society is now being weaponized against people who believe in traditional values and want to raise their kids with those traditional values or at least don't want their kids screwed up by left-wing sexual mores that breed depression, anxiety, and confusion. That's what left-wing sexual mores do. They're not making for a happier, healthier population. They just aren't. That is not what the mental illness rate suggests. It's not what the suicidality rate suggests. It is, I'm going to need some evidence that our, our society is healthier and happier because it has engaged in the left-wing sexual revolution. Particularly when it's crammed down on children in defiance of what their parents believe. So here's Abigail Schreier reporting. This is a disturbing, disturbing story. Quote, before she decided to strip him of all custody over his son, Drew, before determining that he would have no say in whether Drew began medical gender transition, California Superior Court Judge Joni Hiramoto asked Ted Hudako this, if your son Drew were medically psychotic and believed himself to be the Queen of England, would you love him? Of course I would, the senior software engineer at Apple replied, according to the court transcript. I'd also try to get him help. I understand that qualifier, Judge Hiramoto replied, but if it were, if you were told by Drew's psychiatrist or psychologist that Drew was very fragile and that confronting him, or I'm sorry, confronting them with the idea they are not the Queen of England is very harmful to their mental health, could you go along and say, okay, Drew, you are the Queen of England and I love you. You are my child and I want you to do great and please continue to see your psychologist. Could you do that? Yes, Hudako said. That sounds like part of a process that might take some time, sure. What process, Judge Hiramoto said. What is the thing that might take some time? Accepting the idea that Drew occupies an identity that you believe is not true? The identity you just mentioned to me was the Queen of England, Ted began. I can tell him and I can affirm to him to reassuring, to reassuring him situationally, but objectively, he is not the Queen of England and that won't change. And even the therapist in that case would know that. The then 54-year-old father of two teenage minor sons, Drew is the elder, felt he was walking into a trap. For Ted, precision is not merely a requirement for his job, but almost a constitutional necessity. His recall of every fact, date, and filing of the complicated court proceedings involving him and his ex-wife is astoundingly accurate. The sort of feat you might expect from a brilliant lawyer, not a distraught father battling the legal system alone for his son. But at this point in the child custody hearings, Ted couldn't understand what the judge wanted from him. His soon-to-be ex-wife, Christine, then an executive at the investment firm BlackRock, had already agreed to shared custody of their younger son. No one, not even the judge, seemed to believe he was anything like an unfit father. Ted isn't a particularly devout Episcopalian. He describes his politics as libertarian. He's athletic, health-conscious, and takes a keen interest in his son's talents. He coached their baseball teams and researched conservatory programs for Drew, already an accomplished pianist. Just one year earlier, Ted had been one half of a Bay Area power couple with high-status careers and precocious kids. Now he was one half of a contentious divorce, presided over by a judge who was referring to Drew as they and, pressure, and pressing Ted to accept that his 16-year-old son was actually a girl. And do you think that being transgender is a sin? Judge Hiramoto asked, according to the transcript. No, of course I don't think it's a sin. So you don't think it's a sin? 
But you probably think that Drew, if they are truly transgender, you would prefer that Drew not be transgender because in our society, transgender people are the subject of a lot of discrimination. Would you agree with that? I agree that transgender people suffer some discrimination and prejudice. I agree with that, he said. I'm sort of going off parallel experiences that I've read about or heard in family court or in family law classes for judges where gay children come out to their parents, the judge said. And sometimes it is difficult for the parents because they believe the identity of being gay or lesbian in their religion is a sin. And then some people don't feel that it's a sin, but they say they take a different angle and they say, I just would prefer my child not to be gay or lesbian because they suffer so much discrimination in our society. So I'm sort of asking these parallel questions to see what is your, what I see in the papers is that you think that Drew is not truly transgender and that they are merely confused and he might be transgender, said Ted. He might be. Okay, so if Drew might be transgender, it's just to say they might. Ted realized his error and corrected himself. He had used the he pronoun because he remained deeply skeptical the boy he had coached in Little League was actually a young woman. They might be, Ted said. Drew, they might be, might be, we don't know. While trying to keep an open mind about Drew's gender, Ted was adamant to the judge. He did not want Drew to begin medical transition. In the 312 days since he had last seen his boy, Ted had done a lot of research on medical transition and gender dysphoria. He begged the court to consider research that suggested puberty blockers could impair cognition and diminish bone density. He knew that Drew, if administered puberty blockers along with estrogen, would be at high risk of permanent infertility. He wasn't even sure his son had gender dysphoria. He wanted to see his son and he wanted this bullet train to slow down. It sounds to me that you would prefer that Drew, when all is said and done, is just going through a phase. Is that a fair assessment? Ted evaded the question. Did he prefer that his son avoid a medically risky regimen that would render him permanently infertile and make him a lifetime medical patient? Wouldn't anyone? In the three years I've spent writing about families with transgender identifying minors, the story of Ted Hudako stood out as a case study of how gender, ideolo gender ideology has infiltrated family law, writes Abigail Schreier. It also frames the unintended consequences of medical professionals fudging science, rewriting medical definitions, and tolerating shoddy research to placate activists. At each stage, doctors may have thought, where was the harm? And so, as a consequence, judges now decide the fate of children and their families based on phony, medically unsubstantiated metaphysics. On June 24th, 2020, following her discussion with Ted about the Queen of England hypothetical, Judge Joni Hiramoto granted Christine sole legal custody of Drew on a temporary basis and approved the shared legal and physical custody arrangement of their younger son. She assured Ted the order was not yet permanent. Judge Hiramoto had decided to order the appointment of a minor's counsel to investigate how the boys were faring before making any permanent decisions. She already had the perfect person in mind. I actually know of one who was previously appointed by the court by a different judge on a case involving children that were allegedly transgender, she said. That minor's counsel was attorney Daniel Harkins. Ted didn't know it yet, but the appointment of Harkins would place the final nail in the coffin of his parental rights. Within just a few months, the court would definitively end Ted's parental relationship. He would have no right to see Drew, no right to talk to him, no right to demand that Drew attend therapy with him, and absolutely no right to stop a medical transition already planned by the Child and Adolescent Gender Center of UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. And finally, the court also felt Ted had no right to know that Judge Hiramoto had a transgender child of her own whose gender transition she had publicly supported. No one disclosed this information to the parties. Okay, this is the crap that is happening across the country. It is. And it's going to become more and more common across the country. The simple fact that all of our institutions are now being created by the left in order to rip your child away from you. They begin with this basic idea, which is that kids should not be bullied. We all agree. And then they move from kids should not be bullied to this is why we have to indoctrinate all students in the possibility that boys can become girls and girls can become boys. And heterosexual behavior and homosexual behavior are completely of moral equivalence. And it is full-scale discrimination alone that would make you argue the opposite in any of this stuff. And therefore, if a child comes to you and expresses gender confusion, or if a child even asks a simple question, 
You must have a conversation offline with the child without the parents present because you know better than the parents what the kid needs. And who knows? Mom and dad might be the absolute moral monsters who believe in things like the Bible or natural law or who believe that their kids might just be gender confused or confused about their sexual orientation and who might need some time to grow out of it. If you say that, you're bad. The left believes this. This is why the left wants this stuff taught in schools because the left is engaged in a full-scale attempt to separate children off from the values of their parents. And this is why they object to what Florida is doing in this bill. I, I've said for a long time, I think that we are five minutes away, if we're not already there, from situations in states like California and New York and New Jersey where kids go to school and they express any sort of sexual orientation or gender identity confusion or curiosity. And teachers then immediately begin proceedings to indoctrinate kids in whatever their left-wing values are and then when parents refuse to go along with this, kids are removed from the home by child, by, by child protective services. I think we are five seconds away from that. Why? Because we've already seen it in places like Canada. I think that what we are about to see, unless the Supreme Court were to stop it, I think what we're about to see is a full crackdown on religious freedom across the country and freedom of speech across the country on these issues in the name of quote-unquote anti-discrimination. Because the personal is political when it comes to the left and the political is personal when it comes to the left. They are one and the same which is the reason why they are so all fired upset about the idea that Florida might ban indoctrination in sexual orientation and gender identity for small children. And by the way, get your kids out of the public school system immediately. Do not trust these people with your kids. Do not. Not unless you can take over the school districts entirely. Not unless you can take over the school board and monitor what your kids are learning. Because to pretend that teachers are not activists and that the AFT, which is the largest single teachers union in the United States, is not filled with left-wing activists is to ignore reality. And don't be gaslit by the people who are telling you that these are just apolitical folks who want to teach your kids how to do long division. That is not true. All you have to do is look at the NEA newsletter. All you have to do is look at the AFT newsletter. They're not hiding the ball. The left has never been hiding the ball. We've been blinding ourselves to this because it's time consuming to go through everything your kids watch. It's the same thing when it comes to the generalized culture. I pre-screen everything my kids watch. I do because I have to. I have no other choice because if I put on Disney Plus and they put on a random show, they might be getting a lesson in transgenderism from Disney. If my kids put on a show from Netflix, the next thing I know, they might be learning about two gay dads. And my kids are eight, five, and two. I don't want them doing that. I will teach them the values that I want to teach them. But you know what? All that's really time consuming. It takes a lot of time. And this is what the left knows. They know that they know that people have lives and people have jobs and people have made the core assumption that no one would be evil enough to try and rip away children from the values of their parents en masse. They know that you are counting on the basic decency of the people to whom you delegate your children. They know that. And that's where they get very angry when you mention that you would like some oversight power. This is why you have Greg Sargent writing in the Washington Post that he's very upset about the possibility that teachers might feel nervous about what they, teachers should always feel nervous about what they teach. Listen, if, if they weren't teaching my kids math properly, they should feel nervous about that. If they weren't teaching my kids English properly, they should feel nervous about that. The most nervous people in America should be teachers since they have the most power in America. I am delegating my most precious asset, my children, to teachers. So you're damned right I want to know exactly what my kids are being taught by these folks. Alrighty, coming up, we'll get to the latest controversy the left is trying to create around Joe Rogan. First, interest rate forecasts are not looking particularly good, whether it's your mortgage or credit cards pretty much anything with a rate tied to it, you're in jeopardy of paying more for money borrowed and money spent. 
Don't let that happen. Make time to now call American Financing and get that free mortgage review I've been telling you about. So here's the thing. The Federal Reserve is right now talking about raising the interest rates that will have an impact on mortgage rates. So if you've been looking to refi and you've been waiting around, you need to stop the waiting and you need to instead call my friends over at American Financing. See if you can get a better deal before rates jump because you really could save up to 1000 bucks a month with these guys, plus tens of thousands long-term. From lower rates to shorter terms, even debt consolidation, American Financing can do it all. They never charge upfront or hidden fees. Why not see what they can do for you? If you like what you hear, you can pre-qualify for free, maybe skip two mortgage payments, and maybe close in as fast as 10 days. Just call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Again, 866-721-3300, or visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Now is a great time to do your mortgage refi. Do not wait any longer. That's a dangerous game you're playing. Instead, visit AmericanFinancing.net and get started today. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to the latest round of attacks on Joe Rogan. As I suggested, I think we are five minutes away from the, the tertiary attack on Rogan. I don't think this is going to stop anytime soon. Hopefully, he stands up to it and, and Spotify stands up to it, but we'll find out in just one moment. First, tonight is a huge night for The Daily Wire. Why? Not only is the world premiere of our first original film shut in, but we will also be releasing two new teaser trailers for new movies coming this year. I'm so pumped about this. We have so much content. We could not be more excited to be making good on our promise of bringing you real entertainment. And we seriously hope you tune in. Shut In is a tale of redemption and an intense, suspenseful thriller that delivers riveting action without missing a beat. Check out the trailer. Lainey, where have you been? Jessica. I can smell the weakness from here. You had your way. No, stop. Let me out, please. Now you must pay. Don't you touch my kids. Your daughter, she's very pretty. I'm scared. Man, it... This movie kicks ass. It's really great. You're going to love it because you can actually watch it tonight. February 10th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central over at the Daily Wire YouTube page after this month's episode of Backstage. Make sure you click the link in the description. Turn on the notification bell so you don't miss it. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Meanwhile, the folks who believe that we should not have open debate and, you know, actual open debate fora like Spotify which is what it's created. Like Spotify is not a public school, you may have noticed. You know why? Because they're not children who are mandated to be there by law. But apparently Joe Rogan is a real threat to you and a threat to everything you hold dear, whereas teachers indoctrinating kids that they can become little girls if they're little boys. That's not a threat to anybody and you should really shut up about that. Joe Rogan is a very, very bad man. So yesterday, Joe Rogan told a joke. It's a Zach Galifianakis joke from 2010. He told it again. How dare he? So, of course, the left-wing sites started trafficking this around as evidence that Joe's, Joe supports underage people having sex with overage people. It, it's all so tiresome. It really is. He's a comedian telling jokes that people on the left have been telling for literally decades. And, uh, and this is very bad. So here's the latest controversy that uh, is likely to engulf Rogan. If it's a 15-year-old boy and a 30-year-old lady. Jeez up. Who had the best joke? Oh, Galifianakis had a joke. Yeah. And he goes, uh, did you hear about it? This boy died because he was having an affair with his uh, high school teacher. Yeah, his friends high-fived him to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I don't feel anything. 
<laughs> don't feel bad at all. No. No, you don't feel bad at all. There's an age at which it's going to f*** the kid for sure. Like 13, 12, 11, that kid is f- 15, 16. He's fine. Day, yeah. Even good 13, kid. he's going to be fine. If he's got a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be, you're going to be fine, kid. Keep moving. Okay. Hard disagree with Joe here. I think we'll definitely screw up a kid. Also, does this mean that you get banned from Spotify? So apparently the left, which by the way, believes in full set, like the left, the left has no leg to stand on in hitting Joe Rogan over this. Okay, I have a leg to stand on if I wish to bash Joe Rogan over this because I actually hold by traditional sexual morality, which believes that adults are adults and children are children and that you should generally wait till, not generally, universally wait till marriage before you have sex. Okay, because that's, that's my moral stance and traditionally the moral stance of traditional values people. But the left, which believes that a 15-year-old can cut off their own genitals to pursue life as a different gender, has no grounds to stand on here, like none whatsoever. The same left that believes that the age of consent should be lowered to like two in deciding your own gender is very upset that Joe would say that a 15-year-old boy having sex with a 25-year-old woman is not highly damaging to the boy. Just to get this straight, according to the le- this means according to the left, if you are a 15-year-old boy having sex with a 25-year-old woman, this is damaging to you for the rest of your life. But if you're a 15-year-old boy who wants to cut off your junk have breast augmentation surgery, and then form a fake vagina. This will not damage you. In fact, this is perfectly fulfilling. And if your parent stands in the way, your parents should be barred from your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm sensing that this is not perfectly consistent. Okay, so in any case, this started to, uh, to make the rounds yesterday. I would not be surprised if the left tries to spin it up. The left is still out to get Rogan. The, the, and they're all, they're all damned hypocrites. Trevor Noah yesterday spent his time ripping on Rogan, suggesting, of course, that Rogan is a racist. Here is Trevor Noah. What I found particularly illuminating is, is, is when he says, I wasn't being racist, I was just being entertaining. No, Joe, I think you were using racism to be entertaining. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you were trying to offend black people, by the way, but you knew that offending black people would get a laugh out of those white friends that you were with. What does Trevor Noah do every single night? He does racial essentialism for, for laughs every single night on Comedy Center, not just that, You'll, you'll remember that if you go all the way back to 2015, when he was originally introduced as the guy who was going to replace Jon Stewart on Comedy Central, a bunch of his bad old jokes came out. You know, jokes that were anti-Jewish and anti-Asian and anti-woman. And here is what he tweeted back in March of 2015. Quote, to reduce my views to a handful of jokes that didn't land is not a true reflection of my character, nor my evolution as a comedian. Comedy Central then said it would stand by Trevor Noah. And they said, like many comedians, Trevor Noah pushes boundaries. He is provocative and spares no one, himself included. To judge him or his comedy based on a handful of jokes is unfair. Trevor is a talented comedian with a bright future at Comedy Central. By the way, some of those jokes included, almost bumped a Jewish kid crossing the road. He didn't look before crossing, but I still would have felt so bad in my German car. Messi gets the ball and the real players try to foul him, but Messi doesn't go down easy, just like Jewish chicks. Behind every successful rap billionaire is a double as rich Jewish man. And most controversially, actually, Juden means Jew in German. It's not derogatory. And Untermensch means lower class person. These are not racial slurs. So, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of great stuff there from, from Trevor Noah's old jokes. Now, here is the thing. Pretty much everybody came out and defended Trevor Noah. Like pretty much everybody. Like Daniel Tosh defended him. And, and Joe Rogan defended him at the time. This is a tweet from Joe Rogan. Quote, too much for 140 characters, but nothing he said was out of line. And he's a funny dude. F the haters, Noah. But of course, now Trevor Noah sees the opportunity. By the way, this is why my rule is no one should be canceled unless those people are in favor of cancellation as a general rule. 
If you're in favor of a cancellation as a general rule like Trevor Noah is, we should go back. We should unearth all those old tweets, all those old tweets, and he should get fired. Because if you're going to be part of the mob, then you must live by the rules of the mob. Meanwhile, Alison Camerata on CNN, who's, who's been spending pretty much every waking moment defending Jeff Zucker, she's deeply upset, very upset, that Jeff Zucker has been fired from his position for nailing the help for 25 years and then elevating the help everywhere he went and then coordinating with the help to help provide sexual favors for Andrew Cuomo in the form of bad journalism. Alison Camerata, who's been defending Jeff Zucker every step of the way, she doesn't even know what to do with Joe Rogan anymore. She doesn't know what to do. As the model of journalisming, she has no clue. What can she even say about Joe Rogan? Well, I admit I'm out of ideas for what to do about Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm officially out of ideas. I think that where there's the misalignment is that basically he just said, how dumb are you if you're taking medical advice from me? Okay. I've posed that same question about Joe Rogan. The people who are taking med medical advice from him, how dumb are they? But he has this huge platform that does influence, you know, millions of people. So there's a misalignment between yeah. his sort of personal responsibility and the size of his platform. Um, yeah. CNN is not a place for misinformation or, or disinformation at all. Rogan, for his part, he says, Spotify has stuck with me so far. He said that he was planning to stick with the streamer. He says, Spotify is hung in with me inexplicably. Let's see what happens. Okay, meanwhile, the cancel culture team has turned next to Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is on the chopping block. Why? What did he do? So Dave Chappelle lives in a, a place called Yellow Springs, Ohio. And he lives in a place called Oberer Homes. So he went to a town council meeting on Monday night complaining about an affordable housing project in the area because he doesn't want mixed-use development projects like directly next to his home. Now, everybody always accuses everybody else of nimbyism. I'll be honest with you. I, I think nimbyism is perfectly appropriate in many situations. I also don't want a giant apartment building built next to my house. That's why I live where I live. I also don't want the village council deciding that a commercial district should be set up directly next to my house. That's why I bought my house where I bought my house. So when Dave Chappelle says he doesn't want an affordable housing project built next to where he lives because it screws up the traffic and it messes up his style of life, I don't understand why this is bad. I really don't. Local rule is not a bad thing. Local rule is a very good thing. The problem for the left is that Dave Chappelle doesn't follow all of their belief systems when it comes to gender ideology, even though he does when it comes to many, many parts of, of the racial conversation. Also, Dave Chappelle engaging in nimbyism with regard to affordable housing undercuts the argument that this is racist. Because it turns out that nimbyism generally isn't racist. It's generally about, I don't want a, a giant apartment complex filled with low-income people living directly next to my home, which seems frankly not racist at all. That seems perfectly appropriate because I've not even mentioned the race of the low-income people. <laughs> it has nothing to do with race. It has to do with the fact that very often people who are low-income have different styles of life from people who are upper-income, as everybody knows. This is not a shock. Here was Dave Chappelle saying this stuff, but it's very bad when Dave Chappelle says it, so that they're, they're getting mad at him now. Hi, I'm Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I just want to say, and Marianne, I could talk to you about this privately. Um, I don't know why the village council would be afraid of litigation from a $24 million a year company while they ix out a $65 million a year company. I cannot believe you would make me audition for you. You look like clowns. I am not bluffing. I will take it all off the table. That's all. Thank you. 
Okay, the project will be built, but the affordable housing aspect did not pass the council vote. They reversed themselves. The development will instead exclusively include 143 single-family homes starting at about $300,000. Resident Matthew Kirk said, I think it's important to understand the framing and understand how these products attract different home buyers." Okay, that's true, but we have to see everything through the lens of race, which means that either Dave Chappelle is a secret racist and a bad man, or we should not be looking at these issues through the lens of race at all. But no matter, the real answer here is that people are very angry at Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle doesn't follow all of the edicts of the left. So he too should find himself on the chopping block. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is the Matt Wall Show airing at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is the Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about the Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our production manager is Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Crand. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Lainey, where have you been? Jessica. I can smell the weakness from here. You had your way. No, stop. Let me out, please. Now you must pay. Don't you touch my kids. Your daughter, she's very pretty. <laughs> 